0: I'm author and publisher, Tracy L. Slatten. It's my belief that the most interesting, creative, and original voices today are heard outside of the big corporations, studios, and galleries. Individuals of courage, inspiration, and vision are seizing the opportunities to create and promote their art themselves. I'm here to support them and to bring their stories to you. On this show, I'll interview independent artists of all kinds, unusual thinkers, and even some healers about their process. How do they do it? How do they start with an idea and bring it to life in the world? This show intends to illuminate the journey. Feel free to call in to 516-453-6052 with questions or live chat with me at blogtalkradio.com slash Independent Artists Thinkers, great to have you with us. This is Tracy L. Flatten hosting Independent Artists and Thinkers. I'm so happy to welcome you to the show. I just want to give a shout-out. I see I have a caller on the switchboard, so hang on. I'm going to get to you in just a minute, caller, and you're a 215 number. So hang on there. I know you're there. Um, I'm really happy that so many people are listening to the show live and in the archives and in the iTunes podcast channel. Um, and I'm going to shorten my initial housekeeping because I've got a very short show today, only 30 minutes with special guest Sabin Howard. Uh, First, I want to let you know about some author events I'll be doing. I will be doing an author visit at the Hamilton Grange Library on January 28, 2017 at 3 p.m., and I will be be presenting at the Riverside Library on Amsterdam Avenue on February 11, 2017 at 2 p.m., and I'll be a guest on The Librarian, uh, um, Authors on the Air Global Radio Network with host Tabitha Pope on Thursday, February 16th at 9 p.m. So It will be wonderful to see some of my listeners at the libraries and do tune in to The Librarian February 16th at 9 p.m. Um, I also want to say that these podcasts are available on Blueberry and on Stitcher, as well as on the iTunes podcast channel. So there are lots of ways to listen. The show's back, but there may be a hiatus over the holidays. I'm also thinking of a few pop-up shows. So keep checking the page, the website, independentartistthinkers.com, and the Facebook page. And there is a Facebook page, so you can follow the show on Facebook. And the Blog Talk Radio page to find out who will be on the show. I am so delighted and honored today to have as our guest my husband, sculptor Sabin Howard. Sabin Howard is the foremost practitioner of an authority on modern classicism. Along with architect Joe Weishauer, he was selected as the winning design team for the World War I National Memorial in Pershing Square Park, Washington, D.C. So I'm shortening Sabin's bio, and I'm going to say hello to Sabin, then we'll get right away to our caller. Sabin, welcome to the show. Oh, first I've got to
1: take him off the mute.
0: Sabin, welcome you. to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm ready for, for your questions. I'm well, we have to be a caller.
0: Here. I'm glad you're here, sweetie. Hold on. We have a caller. Caller, you are on the air. Do you have a question for Sabin Howard? Okay. Hello? okay. Caller? Hello? Hang hanging right. up on the caller because it didn't seem to connect. So, caller, if you want to call back, we're available to talk to you, and we'd love to hear your question. So, Sabin, you know, thank you for coming on. I know you've got a lot going on, and so we're doing a short show just to kind of let people, keep people updated on what's going on with the World War I National Memorial. Um, and you've had an amazing career, and there's a lot to talk about. But let's let's go right to the National World War One Memorial. What is it? What is why is it important? And what are you doing for it?
1: Um, I'm the sculptor and um, partners with Joe Weishar, who's the architect. And uh, my job is to design a figurative uh, memorial that uh, is a relief that's 75 feet long. It will be made of bronze, and it's 10 and a half. High, um, there is a uh, narrative to the processional of soldiers and women and a few children, and the name of the, the narrative is called a soldier's journey.
0: That's cool. Can you describe the the relief you've created? Can you de- describe the design a little bit and tell people, you know, how sure. you've been creating
1: it? Well, I work um, with live models, uh, young, young men and women that um, are, are the same age of the young men and women that were in the war, um, and I have them pose in real uniforms that were on the battlefield, so uniforms that were over 100 years old, and I've been working relentlessly on coming up with poses that tell this story. So that when um, I finally create this in bronze, when people visit it, that they will have a very emotional reaction to um, the drama that this story tells. And the story has uh, um, two, two, two sides to it. It's a soldier that travels through World War I, leaving his family um, and entering into battle and then um, surviving the battle, but through the process becomes transformed into um, the, 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 the elevated uh, heroic soldier that then returns to his family. And that's one part of it. And then the other part of this is that this soldier represents the transformational process that our country um, and uh, our society, and also the whole uh, world experienced from this uh, horrific epic. It's just the numbers are astounding. When you think about um, the consequences of what this war had historically, we're still feeling the consequences today and so what are, um,
0: what are some of those numbers?
1: Well, if you look at battles, and, and here's the issue that, that I'm faced with. Um, the war was fought with the same sort of ideology that um, you had in, in wars prior to this industrial era. So it's a gentleman's war where men would line up and then they would march forward in line. And the problem was that Technology had entered into this, and the result was a technological massacre of 22 million people, and they didn't all die on the battlefield. There was influenza and starvation and wounds, but that's a very large number that I don't think people are aware of. And If you look at certain battles, like the Battle of Somme in uh, France, you, you look at a single day of combat which is probably five to six hours 70,000 people dying and you have casualties of thirty, forty thousand 40,000 people uh, happening on a daily rate 10,000 people per hour in some of these battles because of the, the, the way that the, um, they were fighting in a way that just did not make sense of running into machine gun fire and there's it's something that I don't think people are aware of because it's fallen to the wayside. It's 100 years ago, but um, we continue to have wars um, and technology continues to destroy people in wars. And there, there's a certain element here that I, I, I feel very um, compelled to um, bring forth and that's that humanity, people, soldiers, wives, children are all involved when war occurs and the consequences to their lives um, last for generations because what happens when they return home feeds the family and and then that continues through into the next generation. So this is something that really needs to be paid attention to. And so with the help of Edwin Fountain specifically um, and and all the other people that work around him, we've collaborated and come up with something that I am uh, very uh, proud of and feel that will uh, really give a, a very emotional, visceral response to the visitor that sees this when it, when it is finally completed.
0: Well, um, it's going to be a bronze wall with a relief on it, correct? Yes. So that's a lot of bronze, 75 feet long. How tall is it?
1: It's 10 and a half feet high, so the figures will be slightly over life size, not much, but elevated off the ground, about 18 to 24 inches. And it, it follows in the footsteps of heroic monumental pieces like the Parthenon. And what my my plan is to take the, a form that you had like on the Parson on freeze, which was sixty five feet up in the air, and taking that and putting it at street level in the park that Joe has designed, and then people can reach out and actually touch the memorial and this the this this will result in something. That is, is truly phenomenal because you are, um, pr- I, I will be, be producing museum quality art, um, and putting it right in front of people, so it, it, the experience will be uh, unimaginable. It, it's never been done will be quite to like this. Will people yes. be able to touch the
0: wall? Will people be able to touch the wall?
1: Yes. It, it will not be. It, it is elevated still, you know, 18 to 24 inches, but it is right there, right at their their level and um we we still have a lot of agencies and people to um to discuss and come up with a, the, the you know the best uh the best sculpture that i can actually, can make and so the collaboration is not done, and all the people that I need to respond to it is not done but I, in my process of the last nine months um, it has really grown in um significance and um importance in terms of how fluid and cohesive and powerful and dramatic the piece has um, developed into.
0: well, let me let me go back to the models and sort of the the personal stories and you were talking about how it's you know those who stay behind also serve. And the consequences of the war affected people for generations. I know one of the models had a story about World War One. Do you want to tell that story?
1: Well, one of my dear friends, um, who asked me to uh, model, but, um, I waited till the right moment to bring him in, um, James. He's uh, West Village Contracting in New York. Um, he's a he's a, an Englishman who is been a naturalized citizen in the United States at this point, but grew up in England. And his great-great-uncle um, and great-great-grandfather were in World War I. And the consequences were that his great-great-grandfather died in battle, and his great-great-uncle came back to um, his family and with his service revolver um, shot his wife, and his, his daughter. And then um, James grew up in this same house that this actually occurred. Wow. And so he, when he came uh, to work and pose for me in uniforms, he brought a tremendous amount of emotion and energy um, to the project. And then this um, was contagious with the other um, models and actors that worked with him. And what happened was that all of a sudden there was this spark or this catalyst in the, in the studio where a story came alive. And the reason I'm telling you this is because my job is to create something that will make people walk away from the art and the memorial and want to go home and Google it and study it and, and know more about it. So, I need to create something that has tremendous drama um and and really a sense of the all the emotions that that human being beings experience.
0: Well, it sounds like a wonderful a really grand task
1: Well, thank you um You've been really helpful <laughs> on your end yeah. as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're welcome, sweetie. What are some of your outreach efforts regarding the, the memorial and letting people know? Because I think you're right. I think World War I kind of gets lost in all of the intensity of World War Two, but there couldn't have been a World War Two without World War One. And well, I know plenty of people who believe that World War Two started when um, the Treaty of Versailles was signed, which the Germans called the Versailles Dictate, and they felt they were under the yoke of this terribly unfair um, you know, treaty, and that gave rise to the bitterness and anguish that led to the rise of Nazism. But what are some of your outreach efforts regarding World War I and this memorial?
1: Well, the, um, the efforts have been going on, and, and I believe they've raised $9 million. And I think once um, I complete the drawings in, in January and I go to the Fine Arts Committee, I'm hoping to have good results from them, but uh, and it's really up to their judgment and and how they wish to make it better. And I'm totally open to that. To that, but once those drawings are complete, and I and I can show them to um, other people, and and it really bring this sort of emotional quality to the to my explanation, and explain how history is is something that needs to be um, remembered for many, many reasons because um, we do not wish to make the same mistakes that we have made in the past. And um, so my job as an artist is to create something that serves um, this country and also serves humanity and serves the tradition of creating great art that inspires and helps elevate people when they see it.
0: Those are big goals. So you want to serve the country, serve the cause of great art, and serve the memory of war.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And educate yes, people this, on this war. So I know, like, is, you talk at schools. You spoke at a school yesterday.
1: Mhm.
0: And you give lectures, and you spoke into different groups around the country. I know I was there in Chicago, and you gave a lecture there. And there've been some wonderful articles in newspapers. The Epic Times ran a great article about you. Wall Street Journal ran um, an article about you and the memorial and Fox Television came in and did a filmed you and did a Modern Masters episode about you. Is there are there other things coming up?
1: Um not not that I know of currently. Um I'm doing uh you know, right now I'm, I'm full steam ahead and doing these drawings and design things. But and once the new year begins, I'd really, I really want to get out there and start to um, share this with people. And because this is not um, funded by the government, this is publicly funded by um, is donations. And so it's really important to connect with people and. Share with um, um this, you know, the, the three things that I really talked about about playing forward an art that it, it just elevates people and really creating something that when they when people go to Washington that they're just mesmerized by, and that's not going to be possible without um, being in the studio and, and having many people underneath me to produce it. So we really need to have um, support financial support from people that understand the importance of um, of, of Washington and of of maintaining a sense of uh, high level culture in the capital of this country
0: well I also have to say you know I came from a military family i was very I am very proud of my father's service to this country um, as a Coming from the military i 'm happy that we are honoring the veterans of World War I, even if they 're no longer alive, which of course they 're all gone now, but i 'm still happy that they may be gone, but their service is never forgotten and I think that must matter even to the grandchildren and great grandchildren great great grandchildren of these millions of people who died that and um, of the people who died from the united states and that we're honoring their memory. I think that's really important.
1: Yeah. I, 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 when I create this, there's a sense that the work has to be of exceptional quality because veterans that serve today will be seeing this and they have to know that their work and service to the country in the armed forces has tremendous importance to, to, to all the people in this country. And, So by doing a memorial, it reminds them that their job is not forgotten and is taken with great seriousness. And as an artist, I use the words, I am in service of, because I'm not doing this for galleries or for myself in the studio, but I'm doing this for many people to come and appreciate um, the message that I am relaying. And so uh, the message is, twofold it's about a soldier and it's also about our country and so that i think is something that is when you go to other memorials that are very um uh successful specifically i'm going to mention too the lincoln memorial and then the vietnam memorial you get the sense of transformation your feelings change and you are brought into a sense that you belong to something bigger than yourself and so that that is the challenge and the goal and it is the only option for creating memorial of this importance in washington
0: that's that's really beautiful where can people see images are the drawing images available can they see some of the early drafts
1: there are, there are some i post a few things on facebook and twitter and then um the uh, organization um, cc.ww.one.org uh, is uh, 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 the Centennial Commission um, is online. So the World War One Centennial Commission. If you Google that, um, you'll come up to the website. So that's a good way to see um, how this is all proceeding forward. So that's the uh, Centennial Commission World War One. Centennial Commission. And, um, so
0: you're you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram,
1: and you yeah, have your own
0: website which is sabinhoward.com. Is there a point where we'll be able to post your drawings for the general public on your website?
1: Yeah, I believe that after these these meetings I'll find out. But also there on the, the Centennial um, Commission page there's a place for donations as well, and that's a good place to take a look and, and see what's going on. And then, obviously, people can contact me if they need more information. And just if you look at my website, you can go find me through that.
0: Sabinhoward.com. So we're, we have about seven minutes left. Do you want to tell us some of the important points of what you've learned along the way? Because this has been a process, I know, because I've been standing here watching it.
1: <laughs> um, well, the biggest surprise... Uh, For me has been uh, that the collaborating the collaboration with um, the the Commission has elevated the work to a much higher level and I'm also um, very grateful that the Commission had the um, wherewithal to spend enough time in coming up with a design that they could move forward with and that this is unusual that so much time was spent in the planning phase of what the relief would actually symbolize and, and how it, the, the composition of these soldiers in the processional wall, how that them moving forwards, how that would be worked out. And so that if I can tell you a little bit about that, they're all moving towards the future from the left side to the right. And it begins with, um, a, family of a father and a daughter standing to his left and she is standing above him as he kneels and she hands him his helmet and the wife stands behind the father who kneels and then the next scene moves into the soldier saying goodbye to the wife and from there then the soldier joins his comrades in arms and moves off into war Um, the next scene is the battle scene And the battle scene is the middle part of the the wall, um, and it is the middle of the relief. Um, There are soldiers that are moving up and out of a trench, and then there is this general, very highly charged dramatic charge with a commander leading them forward. And behind him, a soldier falls, and then in front of him, there is a pieta scene. And the pieta scene is reminiscent of how Christ died upon the cross in sacrifice of humanity. And here's the analogy. The soldiers sacrificed themselves on the battlefield and in war for the service of their nation. And we stepped into World War One at the very end when we were involved in the conflict for um, the last six months, and really we were... Um, majorly involved, only for three months, but if it hadn't been for the United States, the war would not have resulted in in the way that it did. And then from this pietat theme, we move towards the cost of war, where there is a nurse that holds a gassed man who is kneeling with a, a gas um, mask by his, his side. And then the next figure is James, who I've used as a, a, a man who is processing the the war that he has just experienced and he it has a stunned look and he faces directly out towards the viewer in a sense of I I am coming out from the mist almost and, well, and then
0: also, it engages the viewer very directly because he's it yeah, looks like James is staring right at the
1: viewer. He is and that was that was I wish I wish to make a connection between these soldiers and the viewers as they walk by. And then as you move towards the end the the there's a nurse helping a fallen soldier and then there's three comrades all together one of them um, being a black american unified with them cuz segregation this is uh, was part of the war but it was also um, it was the beginning of a change in society as well for um, how blacks and whites interact it interacted the, and then the,
0: the the Harlem Hellfighters
1: fought that's right. with
0: great And
1: bravery in World War One. That's right. And then you move into a parade scene. So you have this stronger and stronger sense of elevation as they people come out of the war. And then the last scene is the father reuniting with the daughter who holds the helmet in her hand and she looks into the helmet. The helmet represents the history of World War One, and she looks into the helmet dividing the future, and she is the, the future generation, and she bookends the whole relief, and the wife stands there representing America as well. And the the whole act here is that there are scenes, there are scenes, there are five scenes, and it is taken from the concept that Shakespeare created in a five-scene um, storyline with a middle, uh, sorry, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And there are elements here that are very human. There are elements that are very heroic, but it is full of drama. This is not something that you look at and it's like, oh, la-di-da. That's not the objective here. This is to create something that will bring people in and get them really connected to the art. And they'll walk away with a sense of, I need to know more.
0: Well, it sounds beautiful. Can you please just tell um, listeners um, again where they can find out more about you and see some of these pictures, go over your websites and so
1: forth? Yeah, you can look at um, sabenhoward.com, and I, I post some things on Facebook. Um, and then the World War I Centennial Commission um, as well has a website. They post things as well. And um, Joe uh, Weishar, um, is part of that. He's the architect. And I also want you know, Edwin. And Joe well. Edwin is on Fountain.
0: Facebook as well.
1: Yep. And um, Edwin Fountain is the commissioner. Um, and uh, it's, right. re- so we it have is- a, re- mm-hmm.
0: I got to let you go. As we got to end. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You know so how- I know how good you are. Thanks for thank coming on. Thank you very on.
1: much. All right. I'll talk right. to you a little bit. Bye-bye. bye Bye-bye.
0: This is Tracy Slattin from Independent Artists and Thinkers. Thanks for joining us. Come back next time. This has been Tracy L. Slattin on the Independent Artists and Thinkers Network. Thanks for joining us. Come back next week.